0: So, good evening, had a nice day, had prasana. So, he thinks we're just asking for questions, and it can be related to the topic or, or not. So, any questions? Raj. Yes, Mahatma, this morning in the lecture.
1: <laughs> this morning in the lecture, you mentioned uh, the objective experience and the subjective experience. I was wondering if you could clarify, it, clearly define those two, and the difference between here in the material world, the experience versus what we hope to experience in the spiritual
0: world. Okay, that's a good question because those those words are used in various ways, objective, subjective. Um, They have a number of applications. The way I use them is when I speak of the objective world, hmm, then I'm speaking about matter. hmm? Matter is, in a sense, the object. hmm? That we, as a subject, hmm, living, animate subject, uh, preside over, hmm? and, for example, we, by lending ourselves a so subjective means, consciousness, hmm, and objective means, matter. The way I use the term. So, so we. In one sense, atoms are the subject to matter as the object. We move matter, we animate matter. We, by lending ourselves to matter, it seems to be alive and moving, right? Just as the car is the, is the real mover, although the car is, 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 is moving under the influence, Oops. under the influence of uh, the driver. Hmm? So, so by objective, we mean the objective world. And by subjective, we mean the subjective world, the world of consciousness. The world of consciousness is is subjective. It is a world of experience. Matter is a world that is, by contrast, experienced. Hmm? Both exist.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: One is experienced. The other is experiencing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And experiences, well, they are subjective.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What your experience is, is difficult for anyone else to ascertain. It's your kind of private Subjective experience hmm? in the world today—that's often thought to be very relative. You have your experience; he has his experience. What's the objective reality? Hmm? And so, for example, the uh, the science, the what do they call it? the controlled experiment, seeks to help us arrive at an objective truth. Hmm? You may think and feel. That the world is like this. Another may feel it's like that subjectively, but we think, well, what is it really like? We need objectivity. And we have to move its thought then away from subjectivity, have an objective understanding of the nature of existence. There's some truth to that. In bhakti, for example, we say that we have to step back from the world with detachment. And that backward step of detachment from the world is the first step in the direction of actually loving. Because our involvement with the objective world is one where we're attached. And therefore, we can't see it for what it is. Hmm? We're embracing something as as, as 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 being in our interest, and it, it may be not in our interest. The very attachment itself does not give us a clear picture. If you're too close to something, if you're attached to someone, well, you see them in a certain way. Mother named her blind son Padmalochan. You understand? Who's blind? Hmm? So... Whether that blindness on the part of the mother is bad or good, that 's another thing, but uh, a blind child objectively doesn't have lotus eyes hmm? but mother saw like that, so attachment then is thought to obscure the 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 picture so if we step back and we're detached, then we can fairly weigh in on a any given situation, the politicians are not supposed to be attached to any particular corporation or donor and bought and paid for you know, by them to do their bidding, but to do the bidding of the people and be objective about it and so forth. That's the theory. So in bhakti, we, we do take a step back from the world. There is our renunciation in the context of bhakti. What's not favorable for bhakti, we let go of. Mm-hmm. And then we see it for for what it is from the vantage point of Vedanta, mm-hmm. and then we know how to interact with it. Mm-hmm. So, in material life, then on the other side, where there is not an acknowledgement that um, that consciousness is transcendent to matter, is ontologically. Uh, different from matter, that it's an experiencer and the experiencer can't come out of a non-experiencing reality. Hmm? That's what we think. But some people think, well, maybe it could, you know, they say like, well, you know, the liver produces bile, so the brain produces consciousness at a certain point. Of course, there's a big difference between bile and consciousness. Bile is similar to liver, consciousness is very dissimilar from the brain and from from matter. Hmm? So we don't agree with that uh, particular um, argument in which uh, uh, conscious beings seek to demonstrate and establish that uh, they themselves uh, don't really exist as they feel. They feel that they're a unit of consciousness, but actually they're they're just something in the brain, and that's all there really is. And consciousness is not something that's causal. It just kind of comes out of matter at a certain point. We don't think that experience can come out of non-experience. We think these are very different, diametrically opposed, and one is superior to the other. If anything, the experienced comes out of the experiencer. Not that not that the experiencer comes out of the of non-experienced, or out of the experienced. So it's complex, but um, basically, objective here means the objective world. In the objective world, you can measure it. Right? You can measure it, and measure means to control. You measure it; you've got it under control. You're superior to it if you can. You can measure it. You, I mean, you can i mean to say bring it within your 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 grasp your control so we seek to measure and and maya in vedanta means to measure that's another meaning of the word maya to measure we say it is an illusion to try to measure even the material world hmm? which which we never really get close to because we as a unit of the subjective side of things consciousness Actually, never touch the world. The world is the physical world is mediated by the subtle matter of the mind. We get some experiences of what the world is like, some feelings of what it's like, but we never really touch it. And even in science, it said that uh, Heisenberg said, "Well, we don't really experience the world; we experience our experience of the world." Hmm? So, experience is very primary. Hmm? And and to try to make it secondary and make it part of the objective world, we think, is a a folly. Hmm? But people do try to do that. But from our perspective, that's like like the measurer. Can a ruler, I often say, can a ruler measure itself? No. Hmm? So consciousness is the measurer. And it measures things in the objective world, evaluates them, gives value to them, attributes meaning to them, which it would not have otherwise. Hmm? Um, but we are the measure, we are the unit of value, and so forth. So to measure ourself, we means, what I mean by that is to turn ourself into something objective that we can harness, arrest, um the Atma is described as one ten thousandth the size of the tip of the hair. It, it means it's, it's infinitesimal. It's infinitely small. Hmm? You can't see it. Now you could have an instrument that could measure one ten thousandth the size of the tip of a hair. In the Vedic times, you didn't have those kind of instruments. So it's a way of saying, it's really small. Hmm? <laughs> it, it's a way of saying, you can't see it. And the Gita also says it's invisible. Hmm? It's imperceptible and so forth. So... so um, So it it doesn't really mean, it's not really that much speaking about its size as as much as it's saying it's not part of the objective world. Hmm? It can't be seen in the way other things that are part of, that are material, that are objective can be experienced, seen to one extent or another. There has to be another method for experiencing the full implications of the fact that we are experiencers. That See, that is, if I was to be asked, what is the most profound experience that I've had in life? Hmm? I would say, and I think it's really true if you think about it for everyone, the fact that we experience that is incredible. It makes us different in every way from the natural world. Hmm? We are not like anything in the objective world. That's why consciousness, the subjective world, is very difficult to define and describe because we define and describe things often, for the most part, by way of comparison. Hmm? What does a word mean? It means like another word, hmm? right? So we define by, by similarities. There's nothing that's similar to consciousness in the, in the, in the, in the objective world. There's nothing, it's completely different. Therefore, what do we say about it? Well, we say it's, it's, it's not this, it's not that, neti, neti. Look at the descriptions of, this, of consciousness in the Gita. Hmm? You find uh, many negatives. It's, it's not this, it's not that. It can't be burned, it can't be withered by the wind, it can't be drowned in the water, uh, uh, so on and so forth. In the Upanishads, there's a the famous statement, neti, neti. Not this, it's not this, it's not that. So the way we talk about it is by way of saying what it's not. And really we're saying it's nothing like the objective world. It's entirely different. And it has immense possibilities, prospects, in comparison to the the objective world, which to some extent can be harnessed, to some extent can be captured, hmm, worked with in its entirety, we we don't think that it can. We think that's also a folly. Try to roll up the whole of the material existence as if it was a, your sleeping bag or something. Or Brahma will make statements like that in the Brahma If I could roll up all the stars into one, if I could count every grain of sand on the on the beach, still I would know nothing about you, Krishna. Hmm? So and of course you can't count all the grains of sand. Um, You get get a pretty good computer, maybe you could after time, but still. Hmm. How many grains of sand are there on every beach, in every universe, in every galaxy, on every planet, and so on and so forth? So really, to be honest with you, we say that the word finite, that is Maya. Hmm. There is no finite, that is a perception. Even the material world is infinite, Hmm. and there are infinite numbers of souls in it. So this all does not fit, you see, between the the, the ears. Hmm? It just doesn't quite fit where we're trying to measure things. We're trying to control things.
2: Hmm?
0: I mean, that's understandable because we are, in a sense, a controller. We do pick up objects, put them down. Of course, that picked me up. That was the Bhagavatam. But... <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, we're the subject. This is the object. We give meaning to it. You know, the, the tools have meaning because of the worker, and so on, and, and, and so forth. But only in a limited sense. And and we 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 are a controller. We 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 set the thing in motion, so to speak, because we are consciousness. Krishna, then, of course, means the source of consciousness, and he's the supreme controller. We have some relative ability to control and measure. But, but it's, it's limited. We cannot even control or measure the whole of the objective world. And we cannot measure one atom, if you will, of consciousness, which is immeasurable. And we are constituted of that. And that is like really cool. That's how we look at it. That's really cool. That's like, wow. That's a, that's a lot of possibilities open up there. Hmm? Other people say, I you know, like that. <laughs> Said so they feel like that's like you know that, that's a problem. Can't control it. That's a problem. Hmm? This is material life too. We want to control everything. We want to get our feet on the ground, so to speak. Understand it. If we can't, if we can't own it all, let me know it all. Hmm? And by obviously, I can capture more within the fist of my intellect than I can in the fist of my hand how much can i control with my hand compared to what i can control with my mind and my intellect capture understand subordinate that means to say to myself so this is what we're in one sense involved in trying to subordinate the world to ourselves and we are it is subordinate to us so it's understandable that we you know try to do that in one sense but at the same time we're only a small unit of that which is superior to matter and we have the capacity to be overwhelmed by its influence as well so it, it, we're we're trying to do what consciousness can do in its fullest expression that's krishna he means this that means the supreme controller mm. but we are unsuccessful even in even mentally it's say or intellectually understanding the whole thing and thereby Controlling and getting some security—that's what we want from it. We want some security. We've understood it; We've, we're protected, or we can go forward, we can sustain ourselves, and so on and so forth. But everybody's, you know, still dying. Hmm? That hasn't—the rate is still a hundred percent. So so far, at least, uh, we haven't been successful in controlling the world and getting the security that we seek. At the same time, when we speak about spiritual life and the immeasurable nature of the self, and it starts to become uh, like a little nebulous and interesting but intangible. And we are addicted to and attached to the objective world where we think we have something and we have some security from it. And if we let all that go, which is part of the, 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 uh, the means of experiencing the self hmm, consciousness, uh, it's a theory like, okay, I could let go. And, but then I'm going to be in this like immeasurable land. Um, and one group of people could say, that's cool. That's like, whoa, you know, unlimited uh, experience. There's nothing impossible. Other people feel a little uncomfortable with that. hmm? Um, and, of course, it's the it's theory they can't, they can't see, so there's an illusion on the influence of material nature that we've got something to hold on to, something sure, but the only thing that's really sure is death. That's sure. Hmm? Nothing else is sure.
2: Hmm?
0: Yeah. The only thing sure is that you can't control it, <laughs> that it will be taken away, that you lose it with all your effort, whatever you've put into it and so forth. But that point is lost on on us largely. There's an illusion of being able to control and the idea of letting go and entering into the world of consciousness, unlimited possibilities and so forth. It sounds good, but it's a little scary at the same time. Hmm? Um, But, of course, that is the courageous path that we are uh, on and we get courage from those who are ahead of us. Hmm? who are standing on the ground of being, of consciousness in the subjective world, speaking to us from there, we find it encouraging. It, it, it's possible. It, 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 there, there's a prospect for us. It, and they try to translate the experience into words, language, analogies, that, 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 where we have some semblance of what they're talking about. In other words, those Guru, for example, has to speak the language of love and, for the most part, the language of reason. He has to translate love into reason. Hmm? The love is, is, is beyond reason and beyond words, but he has to translate that into reason and then articulate it and explain it and draw from this world where we have familiarity and see this fits like that. You've had experience like that? Well, it's something like that. Hmm? Like, did you ever have experience of falling in love? It was pretty intoxicating, consuming, exciting, and uh, really, really consuming, at least in the beginning, really consuming. And the gopis' love for Krishna, something like that, what do you want to say? Okay? It's nothing like that. But it's something like that, also. <laughs> something like that. that, with that it, you, and we get, oh, okay, yeah, it's something like. Then we mix it all up and we think, you know, you just get a girlfriend, and I got Krishna consciousness, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. You got it. You got it wrong. It's something like that, and it's nothing like that. So, um, so from that side, you know, we get courage. These sadhus the past and in the present they're like like great lighthouses on the shore in the night hmm? showing the way how you can come to the come to the land hmm? and get out of the 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 ocean of material existence the tossing and turning of the ups and downs of the waves of material emotion and so forth and you you can land on the shore and and there's vegetation and there's food and it's friendly, and it's like a lighthouse in the night, something like that. We get some courage from Sadhu Sangha. It means it's in speaking from that side to us, trying to speak about that. So that world is the subjective world. Now, the interesting thing here, or one interesting point to raise is that we, you know, we hear about Krishna Leela, it's a bit fantastic, these ideas, nine mile long pythons and so on and so forth. Um, but in one sense, the more esoteric side of Krishna consciousness, such leelas and so forth, in one sense they are, they are powerful attempts to explain the, the, the experience of a chintabedabed that, that, that plays out into lila. If you have a philosophical doctrine of unity and difference, as we do, hmm, then there has to be something called leela in ultimate reality. That means, lila means a kind of reciprocal movement between the self and God. Hmm? And and we talk about it in terms of dasya, sakya, vatsalya. Hmm? Um, and we have some semblance of an experience this here. And so, the, the, the Bhagavatam is written in a, in a samadhi bhasha, as I said, the samadhi language of Vyas. And he's trying to explain his experience and so he's telling the story, and the story is empowered. Hmm? It's it's an expression of his bhava. So to to take the stories as they are, literally, you know, that will help you. Hmm? It's a it, and, and what you'll experience if you realize them is that they are something like that, and and and, and more that transcends description, and and is fully. Consuming, captivating, and perfect, and so forth. Hmm? Uh, if you really got to think about it, and you, you know, you're, and, and you got to have reason about your faith, and it's got to be reasonable, and and so forth, then we have to talk about it a little bit more. <laughs> and, and and along the, these lines. Hmm? So it it, 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 it it and basically, and the point I wanted to make is that if we understand that consciousness is not reducible to matter. Hmm? We have opened a door to possibilities, like Prabhupada used to say, you're quoting Napoleon, impossible is a word in the fool's dictionary. take it the other way, the word impossible does not exist in the dictionary of the paravyom, of the spiritual sky, in the world of consciousness. Hmm? You have to understand this point. As soon as you open the door from matter to spirit, and you understand the logic and you embrace the logic that consciousness is not reducible to matter, it's counterintuitive to think that it is, and it's, it's highly illogical also. Hmm? To say that consciousness is, is reducible to matter is like saying, I'm dead. Does that have any meaning? Do you understand? If I say, I'm dead, that has no meaning. So, for consciousness to deny itself, in other words, it requires consciousness to say and decide there's no consciousness. Consciousness doesn't, is, 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 is not causal. It, it's not primary. You, the primary thing, you have to have consciousness to do that. So, to deny consciousness, it requires consciousness to... The act of denial is a consciousness act. You see what I mean? So, it's very, very illogical. Hmm? also. It's counterintuitive. All human beings feel naturally that, that, that I have a will and that will determines what I do. It translates into action. And there's something called me. I'm conscious and I am consciousness if I think it out. But that means is light is luminous and it gives light. It, 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 it lights other things. You should understand this about the Atma, about the self. Like a light, a light is luminous and it lights, for example, the wall. So the wall has been illuminated. It's luminous and it illuminates. Often when we speak about consciousness, we only think of its illumination. Oh, he has consciousness. He's aware. He's perceptive. She is really conscious and has a lot of consciousness. We talk about it as awareness. Awareness is one aspect of the atma, like the illuminating power of the light that that causes something else to be illuminated. Hmm? The other side of it is that it's self-luminous. Nothing can light it. It's self-luminous. So, anyway, you can't, as I say, you can't deny consciousness. that, That requires consciousness. So, It's illogical, and I was saying it's counterintuitive. Our intuitive sensibility is that there's somebody in there, and it's me. There's an I. I exist. We could say there's an I and there's a me. The me is the false ego, the brain and modes of nature and so forth, and that does take over to a large extent. We're trying to separate out the I. What I mean by the I is that we exist and, 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 as, and as, as a unit of subjective experience, hmm? each of us. And I say that's very fascinating. How different that is from matter, as I said earlier, is, is like you cannot say how different it is even. Hmm? Absolutely nothing like it. And matter, we know, the world of matter, we find there are limitations. Hmm? There's things you can't do. Only if you mix hydrogen and oxygen the right way will you get water. If you mix it the wrong way, you won't get water. Hmm? So there's things you can do and there's things you can't do. There's limitations. When we enter in the world of consciousness, there are not the same limitations. They said, that's cool. That's like, wow, exciting. So my point is this. If you really understand what it means that your consciousness not matter, hmm, then all these stories of the Bhagavatam become like, yeah, <laughs> that's great, let's go <laughs> there's no more any like well I don't know if that works that doesn't fit you know because you can't be nine miles long and Vrindavan was only this big and their, <laughs> on the Marage couldn't have that many cows they wouldn't fit all there and this is all <laughs> you understand so <laughs> so it, it, the Bhagavatam was really pushing on us pushing on us this does this make sense to you? Yes, you know, you're not the body. This is the basic, the 101 of Vedanta. You're not this body, your consciousness, not matter. Okay, why don't you go there? Go there. It's encouraging us, to go, pushing us, really pushing us, imploring us, compelling us. Go there. Take this up. Do it. Engage in such a way that don't make this an intellectual exercise, but let it translate out into action that bears the fruit of experiencing what it's talking about and then what it's, the more you do that, the more what it's talking about starts to make sense and that and, it, 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 it's, a, it's a distinct possibility. And so it is, for that matter, with all genuine spiritual experiences from our perspective, from the perspective of the Gita, which says, Krishna says, jajatamam As they approach me, I reciprocate accordingly. Hmm? Different people in different religious traditions also approach. They have different concepts of dharma, of trying to do good and please God. Hmm? To one extent or another, they, they they may be successful. And if their path is ego-effacing, and extinguishing the me, leaving the I, I am, hmm? then it, then, it, then it is a religion of a, I would say, of, of a transcendent nature. And then there are different possibilities within transcendence. And are all the descriptions... Let's say, okay, we have descriptions of Krishna Leela, right? And we have our saints experiencing that, right? Now we go to Catholicism. And we have the mystic saints in Catholicism. And they have their experience. What do they experience? Do they experience Shiva or Brahma? No. Archangel Michael, and uh, you know, this one, and that one, uh, woo, the horns, and that the little with the wings, and <laughs> that kind of thing on the clouds and stuff. They have their way of, you know, talking about it, translating it, speaking it. Now, you could say both of these are just cultural experiences that people are attached to, and, and, and therefore explaining uh, according to the cultural experience. And so, we just do away with the cultural experience. It all ends up in, they all I, I am and and Brahman. There it is, you know. And this is a way of the thought of harmonizing all the paths. Of course, none of the paths will agree with that. That they, 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 no, <laughs> and it's, it's just as easy to argue that all of them are experienced, hmm? because they are all different approaches to God, and He reciprocates accordingly. And in the realm of consciousness. There are all kinds of possibilities. There are nirvanas. There are heavens. There are, oh, 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 uh, there is, a, you know, Jesus Loco. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not an impossibility. It doesn't. It's not. Doesn't contradict our philosophy at all. Hmm? Um, and so that the Godhead appears in different cultures in a way that is attuned to that cultural environment and so forth. And that that then has a corresponding reality and transcendence is not at all um, far-fetched. If you understand that simple statement of the Gita, as people approach, I reciprocate accordingly. Hmm? Um, then you can evaluate them. And this is what we do, really. We, we say ours is best. We don't mind if you say yours is best. Hmm? But, you know, let people decide. And ever in our group, we think it's the best. <laughs> We can argue very strongly about it, that that, that Krishna concept is, is inclusive, hmm? that it includes within it other concepts of love of God, reverential love of God and mixed and so on and so forth. Um, it, it's a pretty good argument. We're happy with that. Hmm? Um, and so we pursue it enthusiastically, but there are other angles of vision. There, I was just... <laughs> Well, it's a funny kind of a thing, but um, there was, uh, you know, I there's another group. You know, Prabhupada started this movement called ISKCON, some of you know about. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. I was a member. And um, and after Prabhupada's departure, of course, I, I, I was, there was a point where I wasn't welcome because of my affinity for Pujapada Sridhar Marsh and so forth. And that's like 30 years ago. I've been outside of that group. But, you know, it's hard to get away from it because it's everywhere and you hear about it and People come to us, you know, who've been there, and we've been there, and so on and so forth. Some of us have. And so, anyway, they wrote an official thing about me about, I don't know, six or eight months ago. He can't go on. He he doesn't represent Prabhupada, you know, because he speaks differently from Prabhupada. We only give it exactly the way Prabhupada said it here, you know. He's the preeminent Sikhsha guru in Niskan, and we accept that. Whatever his Sikhsha is, we just repeat it. We don't allow anything else, he says something else. I disagree with that. That I say something else. I say something that he says that he don't that they don't understand. But, uh, but at any rate, the funny thing is, and it's relative, somewhat to our discussion, um, that that the the very person who pushed that and authored that, the, the the governing body commissioner, from within his zone, yesterday I got a call from one of his temple presidents, the president asking me a philosophical question. Hmm? And the philosophical question had to do with the fact that a, an acharya, a saint, a sannyasin, from another sampradaya, the Sri sampradaya, Ramanuja sampradaya, was in town, and he had been invited to speak at the temple. Hmm? And so he asked me what my advice was and how he should deal with that person, and because some people are saying, how can you invite him? In this Ramanuja Sampradaya, they teach that, uh, that, that, that Narayan is the source of Krishna. We teach that Krishna is the source of Narayan. Hmm? They don't acknowledge the divinity of, of, of Radharani in the way that we do. This, these are core tenets of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And you're going to have this guy speak here. It's, what would Prabhupada say? And so he was getting this kind of flack, and so he called me up. <laughs> it's a little, hu- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little humorous, and he and he, and he asked my a- a- advice, and of course I cautioned him. You want to be careful about that, you know, <laughs> but, uh, because I know you only want to hear what. Prob- He's a very nice man, and he doesn't agree with that, those those kind of policies. But it's it's kind of funny, um, and of course, a Ramanuja person is not going to be saying what Prabhupada said, because the Prabhupada is a godi of and So he was wondering, he was getting some flack from some people and it was terrible what he was doing and so forth. And I said, no, it's not terrible at all. It's another angle of vision. That's how they think in Vaikuntha. Do you think Krishna will be offended to hear someone speak about how they think in, in Vaikuntha? No. Hmm? He won't. You should know that, well, that's how they think in Vaikuntha, but in Goloka we have a different perspective. Hmm? But that's a that's a that's a, a valid perspective. Krishna Kaviraj Goswami gives a long argument in Chaitanya Charitamrita for the divinity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu by beginning to and est- he begins by establishing the divinity of Krishna as being primal Krishna's two Swayam, Krishna the source of Narayan and all avatars, right? So he makes that argument very well. And then he says that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the same Krishna. and He argues for that. And then he says, after he's done with it, he says, but, you know, some people want to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the avatar of Mahavishnu. He says, yeah, that's true too. You could look at it like that. That's not very flattering from our point of view, but it is, you know, a valid, you know, perspective. So there are different perspectives within transcendence, different sentiments. Hmm? In Vaikuntha, you know, they they cannot they 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 can't they 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 think of narayan in a particular way and they, krishna in relation to that and krishna shows them that they see that they experience that it's not a problem hmm? so it's a good thing that there 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 is such variety so i said you might want to just you know frame it and say we're going to hear tonight from Ramanuja. they have some different angles of vision and it would be a beautiful way to preface the talk you know i suggested like that to him and, uh, and as we, we honor all different visions. And, and uh, you know, Bhakti Miltakur commenting on the Gita. As a forgiveness. There's something wrong with my hip these days and I can't sit like this for too long. Uh, and uh, Krishna says what? Sambhava uh, Mami uh, Yuge uh, Yuge Pritanya Sarana Minasaya Tretuskritam Dharmasam Sapanata Sambhava Yuge 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 I come yuga after yuga, vinashaya dharma yuga yuga. I reestablish the yuga. And he said, Dr. we know in one of his Gita commentaries, he said, and this doesn't mean only in India. He comes in other countries as an empowered appearance, shaktivesh and teaches dharma according to those people and the way they think. Hmm? They have some different sensibilities, and so uh, 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 that's this is this is Sadhagari Vaishnavism hmm? essence, it's, and it's not like we're it. That's it. Everybody else is wrong, and we're and they dress wrong. They say it slightly different. They uses different vocabulary, and uh, you know, we can't have that. And this is this is this is this is to turn something very beautiful into something very ugly. Hmm? Unfortunately, the way we're speaking about it is is very generous but very real. Hmm? So we should be comfortable what, with what we're doing. It doesn't have to be the best. It happens to be, but it, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. So we don't, you know, we don't have to win the debate with everybody. We, you know, if we see that the guy's really convicted, convicted about it, oh, that's beautiful. If it's worth being, you know, convinced about, if it's ego-effacing and uh, and so forth, so okay. Uh, but of course, if in the context of pushing your own idea, you have to expunge ours, and then we then you know, we take exception. Hmm? We don't have to do that. Hmm? Uh, we accept there are valid transcendent experiences that are varied, and they're more varied than we can even, you know, talk about. The Bhagavatam gives an outline of it, different lokas and so forth, and, and this is just, you know, like a table of contents or an outline, but what, what possibilities lie there. And, yeah, there can be archangels and bodhisattvas and who knows what <laughs> is out, out there. Uh, you know not everything some some traditions are not ego effacing and so forth so they're 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 mundane they're self aggrandizing and uh, and you know bent on acquisition and uh, exploitation rather than renunciation and corresponding knowledge and of course love renunciation being like the first step in love to step back as i said hmm? to stop from exploiting and see a thing for what it is and then 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 love so, so this is uh, uh, you know Mahaprabhu's teaching is very uh, very generous, very very accommodating. It's it's it, it's a very uh, uh, he Krishna conquers by affection, hmm? by charm, by beauty. So this is how we will. Prevail, if you will. <laughs> we want to. You know, we would like everybody to, to 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 love Krishna in some way or other, in some form or other. Hmm? And we have a certain particular attraction due to our guru-parampara. How it's come to us, because that a good opportunity. We, we try to take advantage of it, and that means to enter into this subjective world. And as I say, so many possibilities there. If we were to compare the self, the Atma, to water, hmm? in its pure condition, and in its covered condition, to ice. You think of the differences of possibilities with ice and water. What can you do with ice and what can you do with water? I mean, there's a lot of possibilities with water compared to ice. It's not that good of an analogy because the possibilities are unlimited, and, and there is no impossibility so to speak, hmm? and again, so the point here is: the so much as you really understand that consciousness is not reducible to matter, and that you're a unit of consciousness, and consciousness is is sat, chit, ananda, atomic particle, that so forth, the more the door of possibilities opens, and the and the, and the burden of the the intellect hmm, to make sure it's right. <laughs> and, and is it and to validate it and you know consciousness isn't waiting for the intellect to validate it. it, it, it Boghaton is trying to try to shut down the intellect to some extent, not entirely. We will use the intellect hmm, uh, in in the service of faith. If the intellect, reason becomes beautiful as an article of faith unto itself, independent of. Of faith, it it's, it's becomes problematic because you cannot apprehend a thing hmm, by intellect in the way that you can by faith. And as much as faith is animating, faith animates. Do you understand? Hmm. If you if you have suspicion, you're suspended. If you have faith, you move forward. Hmm. So faith is, is in, in, in spiritual life the basis of this is is, is faith. It's a, it's experience that that is animating. So it's a doing. And, and and it's like intellectual knowing and reason is like sitting on a fence, analyzing. That pasture looks pretty green. <laughs> mm, it might taste pretty good. It has, you know, I can see this kind of grass, I can see that kind of grass. I can see it's got this much rain and that much sun and this much nutrient, and I analyze it. And he can do that forever, right? But you will never be able to apprehend it in the way that someone just jumps off the fence and, you know, eats the grass. Of course, cows don't sit on fences, but, but uh, they're smarter than us. They just eat the grass, you know. So, uh, you know, experiencing I- I- is, I- again, the intellect doesn't experience. It's a, part, it's a dead thing. It's part of the objective world. It's a subtle form of the objective world, so it, it, it's harder to, to separate ourselves from it. If I say, you know, control your senses, you can go, yeah, okay. You could have been a really, you know, you were really out of control. The guy's an animal, you know, out of control. So Okay, that's pretty obvious. Control your mind. Well, everybody else can't see it, but maybe I can. And, and you could go, yeah, because the face is the index of the mind. Now we say control your intellect. What do you mean control my intellect?
2: <laughs>
0: My intellect controls. What are you talking about? Yeah. See, so it's more subtle on a hierarchy of manifestations of matter. So it seems more similar to the self, and so it's harder to. So if you've got a lot of intelligence, it can be a. It can be a real. Uh, it can be troublesome. Hmm? To that much more troublesome to arrest it to harness it. That doesn't mean we shouldn't think and and shouldn't uh, uh, reason about our faith and so on and so forth. But we can also reason away our faith. Hmm? Who who will be insult- w- in as Much as the self will be insulted at a certain point, hmm? it cannot be apprehended. The self, for to speak, of Bhagwan cannot be apprehended by intellect. Hmm? So it's an art, really use the head as I often say to soften the heart hmm. that's an art usually we use the head and then the heart just turns off you know And if you analyze objectively the world and you want objective proof for everything when, when the self will Yak chatmahano janaha this is demonic hmm? asurya, te, asurya namate loka you know, Upanishad asurya namate loka hmm, what does it say uh, anyway, yeke chatmahanojana, uh, asura. We use this word this morning in relation to agasura. Hmm? There are asuras. Loka. Hmm? namateloka. Uh, yeke chhatmahanojana. This is the, it means killer of the self. Ishapanisha, hmm? killer of the self. Hmm? This just uh, uh, preoccupation with senses, mind, intellect. Intellect is another form of this, that everything has to be known, measured, brought. I want to find truth, like I want to find conclusive truth. You cannot find conclusive truth with the intellect. You can find a a, a reasonable argument for consciousness being transcendent. You have to go there. Hmm? You have to go there. Then you have to use your intellect to go there, if you actually have concluded yes, consciousness is different from matter, with your intellect, then you have to use your intellect now to go there. So that means sadhana. You have to use your intellect to do sadhana, hmm? do spiritual practice. But the intellect is 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 you may know that, you may have understood that, or have some faith that there's a difference. But then, but then the objective world is is always. There's arguments against it, and you're always measuring them. Some people like this is very problematic, so it's difficult to harness the intellect. It's, 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 it's easy for people to be used by their intellect at the cost, at the cost of their self. Hmm? It's, it's, a, it's not a fair deal to, to get your intellect at the, at the cost of yourself. That is a great <laughs> loss. It's to lose something for nothing, everything for nothing, trade everything for nothing at how empty intellect is. And it's very tricky because at the same time, we want you to use the full measure of your intellect, but to assist your faith by softening your heart, by engaging in transrational practices like the chanting. It's transrational. You have to do that. Well, I tried that. and I didn't do it, I didn't know, but you have to do it like a lot. <laughs> Uh, sadhana, you know, this is not a cheap thing. This is a you know, serious environment, serious application of your. If you really have reasoned out, yes, consciousness is not reducible to matter, I, that part I believe, then you should spend your whole life pursuing that by transrational practices. Hmm? So, um, so does that help? Objective, subjective, that's how I use the the terms. Hmm? And Krishna would be the in Sridamarja's language the super subject. I'm a subject, matter's the object. It it moves according to me. And now now I have to look up the other side and I see, huh? I'm kinda like matter is to me. I am to Krishna like matter is to me. That's why I said we're living in God's dream. Oh, that's a different perspective. Just like matter depends on me to have meaning. So I depend upon Krishna to have meaning. Hmm? This is very different because the one side, yes, I'm saying I'm superior to matter. Hmm? Matter derives. It's meaning for me. I'm the subject. It's the object of my inspection. Hmm? And I can ignore it if I want. Like I can say, come, you know, and so on. And, and I'm used to moving like this in life, consciously or unconsciously. Now I'm being taught, oh, you know how you kind of think without thinking about it that matter is there for your purposes. We are there for somebody else's purposes, just like that. It's like, oh but you're a conscious unit at the same time. That's a very different that's the change in perspective. That's the angle of vision that has to be changed, that's at the at the at the core of what we try to do in our sadhana. And that's for lifetimes, in a lifetime we've had a different perspective. Hmm? And I was just talking about it, trying to get people to just change that perspective. So you think about, like I said, we're living in God's dream. That's like, whoa, that's different. <laughs> I was, like, I'm not like independent here. I'm living in someone's dream. And I'm a, I'm a real person in the dream. But the implications of being part of somebody else's dream are very powerful. It's very different than how I think about myself. Hmm. I'm, I'm part of Krishna's dream. And then I want to deny another part of his dream. <laughs> oh, well, that's not a good idea. So, the very kind of core, basic Vedanta. Mm-hmm. The beauty, of course, of Godivaśnamism is, is, is it goes beyond the one-on-one, as I say, and then the pros- prospects of consciousness in relation to their, its, 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 its source. This is what we call lila. It's very, mm-hmm. it's very extraordinary how high you can fly in the sky of your spiritual aspiration. But First, you've got to get your wings, that's all. You got to get your wings. You first. You got to get a passport. Then you get a visa. Hmm? Passport means I'm different from the body. I I can leave. I can leave the country. I got my passport. You want to go out of America? You got to show your passport. Okay. You can leave. Hmm? But you want to leave. You want to be able to enter somewhere too. You don't want to just hover around like that guy and. Living in the airport for a month, so you know that guy <laughs> <laughs> in Russia. You know you want to land somewhere, so you need a visa. Bhakti means for visa. You can, you can't get into Goloka with a passport. Oh, no. hmm. you can hover in Brahman, hmm. but if you want to enter into Goloka or Vaikunta, you gotta have a passport. Hmm. So that the gift that comes from the other side. Hmm. In a way, you have a right to have a passport. Hmm. You're not the body; you don't have to stay in that one place. But to enter into Goloka, you need a particular visa. So the parampara comes to give the, you know, visa, something like that, provisional visa, and then it's extended, and you get a green card, and then you you can apply for citizenship. So There's a few steps you have to go through what else another question yes
1: i'm just um just thinking of, of consciousness and how for for human beings for us it's to awake I'm just thinking of Krishna Leela and Lila where God is trying to forget his atam, his ashwar
0: I for you yeah.
1: I mean, am just a little confused on, uh, I mean, how is that so
0: important? That, I mean, for him, it's so beautiful that he's forgetting his pastime, because he's so into the world. But it seems like for us, it's disastrous that we're in a
1: forgetful position.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, our forgetfulness is is different than Krishna's forgetfulness, if you will, or Madhurya, his... Uh, the condition in which his omniscience recedes to the background and, and so forth. While for us it's a problem, it's the same principle that, in, that we're speaking about when we speak about love. Love here is a problem when it's not very well thought out.
2: Hmm?
0: Right? And ultimately it's not very well thought out. But I mean, some can be more well thought out than other relationships and we should you know, try to find relationships that are more well thought out and we can't be too needy and pursue a relationship, that's the recipe for a problem, and so forth, because you find out very quickly relationship, you have to be a giver, hmm. and a sacrificer, and so forth. So, so at any rate, um, uh, the, it, it, our uh, uh, casting, if you will, reason aside, love knows no reason hmm, can be problematic young boy falls in love with a young girl. It's just, you know, everybody knows that's not going to work, you know, but nothing, you can't tell them, and they're, you know, then it's a problem, right? right. So, but on the other side, the same forgetfulness is the solution. Hmm? So there's, the, there's this knowledge in between, right? So we, we invoke the knowledge to do away with the problem of pursuing love in a, in a direction where it's not going to be fulfilling, it's not going to be enduring. It looks like one thing, but it's going to be something else. Hmm? So we want to bring reason, you know, to somebody and say, you know, look, here's the writing on the wall. This is this is her chart. This is you know his past. This is what he's really like. I really know it. You know, <laughs> you know, you, that, you try to bring in some knowledge, right, to retire that. Mm-hmm. and uh, of course ultimately you bring in enough knowledge that people realize that relationships are here today and gone tomorrow and I'm a soul not a body and uh, and the whole thing is you know, is uh, chasing a um, whatever um, a fantasy hmm, in a sense. Now there's a way to use that so that you can get something out of it and you can progress in bhakti because bhakti is very user friendly and so forth therefore we can be householders and progress and learn from that situation. That's an art and so forth. But overall, from the strictly knowledge point of view, the way down to point of view, well, you come to the conclusion that all these relationships are illusory, won't satisfy me. So you come to a, I would love to exist hmm, rather than exist to love hmm? because existing to love seems to be a problem. But in the bhakti side, of course, existing to love becomes... uh, an improved idea than re- over loving to exist because now we found the object to love, that's enduring, eternal, and and able to reciprocate and, and entirely and so forth, and so then then we can retire the knowledge there safely, hmm? and it becomes happy. And it's, it's not in fact, we, if we don't retire, it gets in the way of that that love hmm? and pursuing that love. And so Prem, Krishna's the supreme controller, but Prem controls him. That's very extraordinary. Hmm? Krishna controls by love, so it's cool to be controlled by love. But the implications of that, of course, is if I control you by love, that means I love you, hmm? then I'm going to be controlled by you also. You're going to love me. And so that's very beautiful. Krishna comes under the control of his devotees. There's no need for knowledge there. Hmm? Knowledge is this in-between thing that's required to shed light on the ignorance. But if there's no ignorance, then and, 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 and there's loving in that situation, then who needs it? That's the idea. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, Krishna doesn't lose his omniscience, but it does recede to the background. And, and, and that's, that's a necessity for there to be intimacy. Hmm? Because the more we are aware that Krishna is God then the more there create some distance. Now we have to think about that and reason about that so that we realise, oh Krishna's worth pursuing because he's like this. We invoke the knowledge. And then by the sadhana, by practice and so forth in, in due course, then 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 we develop a relationship with Krishna and the knowledge recedes to the background.
2: Hmm.
0: And then there can be uh, intimacy. And Leela. Another question? What's the time? Yes?
1: Maharaj, you spoke about uh, accepting other people's faiths based on the idea, <clears throat> like you were explaining, about consciousness. And so Krishna appears in those other cultures and things like that. My question is more about what to reject if you come across something. You know, in other words, there has to be... A
0: criteria, yeah.
1: Criteria that you can say, you know, okay, you know, from our point of view, we can't accept it. Yeah. How can you clearly define that and then also let someone down easy? <laughs> you know, if you come across that situation, yeah. you don't necessarily want yeah. to start a confrontation, but
0: at the same time, you can mm-hmm. agree with that. Right. Well, um, there are, well, maybe disagreements as to the nature of transcendence that we can discuss, and they would be interesting, hmm? And we say, no, it's not like that, it's like this. Of course, we're just talking about our perspective in one sense, if we're actually talking about transcendence. So it's better to be aware of that and say, yeah, well, it could be seen like that too. You know, that could be experienced. But I would say um, one uh, criteria to invoke that would be useful is whether the path, the discipline of another, is actually ego effacing. Because there are many things out there in the name of spirituality that aren't ego-effacing at all. They don't get to this core issue of distinguishing the self from the body and mind with consciousness is, is you know as I've talked about it and so forth. This is like the basic entry point of, of actual transcendence. Hmm? So if your, your religion doesn't get to that, doesn't take you there, then it's a dead end. Hmm? It's a dead end. Now, there may be religious traditions that don't do that in the way that they are applied and understood, but that could be understood otherwise if we look at their founders. and, Like you take Jesus, for example. Okay, you know, there, were, there are many people that profess faith in Jesus and they have a certain outlook. Many of them have no idea that they would, they would, they would think this talking about consciousness and mysticism is like the devil. Hmm? You know, so but but I don't think that Christ would think like that, so so we we, we what there, there may be applications and and some Gaudiya sects are like that too. They have nothing really. They're very different from what, for example, uh, Prabhupada talked about and they say Prabhupada said and we do it like Prabhupada only and 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 they're like um, Vaishnava Paradis and uh, in the name of glorifying Prabhupada. Same thing, with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There are many people who pledge allegiance to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but they, but they don't really represent the orthodox um, Chaitanya Vaishnavism. Hmm? That's a tried and true, you know, methodology that's produced many saints and so forth over generations. So, so you 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 want to see if the path really speaks even about. Uh, ego-effacing and, uh, and and has that prospect in it. If properly understood, that's one thing. And then you want to see if whether the person you're talking to is applying themselves. So if you if you know that well enough, then you can speak to them about their own path. Say, so, well, I think your path really, is this, and this is where we have a meeting point. You know, where we could agree. But then you know, it's hard to do that with with some people. So if they're unreasonable, you what know, um, can be done? But um, that's one. None, and then, there are others that are clearly not, and they're found, you know, like let's say, you know, Scientology or something like that. You know, I, I didn't study, but I don't think it talks about there's a difference between consciousness and matter. And, I mean, I think you can find that in Sufism. I think, you, which is an esoteric branch, it could be said of, of Islam. I think you can find that in 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 um, esoteric Christianity. I think you can find that in esoteric Judaism, like Kabbalah texts and so forth. Um, I think you can find that you can find that in some sects of Buddhism where they actually accept consciousness in Atma hmm? and uh yeah, that's an interesting subject because Buddhism generally tends to deny the existence of the Atma um so in in the major traditions you I think you do really find a perennial kind of core. Uh, agreement on a basic level and they all produce some mystics and they speak from their vantage point. But, you know, generally these these things are misinterpreted by people and they gravitate towards the fringe and the sectarian uh, markings and this is our group, we're right and you're wrong. And then they go to war and people don't like religion for it and so forth. So, anyway, I think you want to look at that. You know, and then there are, as I say, there are those that, that have no track record and they... And they 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 don't even articulate. They don't even, they're not even a tenet of their philosophy. So they may be just um, uh, fanciful and uh, you know imaginary, <coughs> new agey or something, and um, and um, and a, a mixing up of matter and spirit. And, and, and that would be rajagun. Hmm? Um, you know, been, there's a rajaguna conception of the atma. There's a tamaguna conception of the atma. There's a satvaguna conception of the atma, and there's a sudasatva conception of the atma's prospect. Hmm. So that's where you, how you would, I would think, be useful. Hmm. Uh, and uh, with regard to practices, well, it, it could be far ranging what the practices might be and the habits might be, and. Uh, and so forth. Hmm. Even eating habits, like eat meat. we vegetarians, and so forth. There may be people who ate, could eat meat and be transcended, but not if they participate in a, in a world of meat eating today and all that's, that's involved in that, and so forth. That kind of thing, without being, you know, blinking an eye or something like that. Hmm. That's, a, that's a modern thing. I would say amongst Christians, Catholics, they would drink a little wine and uh, you know, they were meat eaters probably, you know, every now and then. It wasn't, the, that's like a new thing, meat three times a day is like unheard of, you know. That's a very artificial thing, so uh, now, you know, and then they get a destination and, Accordingly, or whatever. I mean, I'm not a Catholic anymore. I was, but but uh, something like that. So the practices may be quite varied, and so for I me, mean, they're judged by the result. Some pretty heavy mystics in the Catholic tradition, it would seem. So we can't ignore that. Why shouldn't we? We have a way of acknowledging it that's it's not threatening. Anything else? Yes? In the
1: the Gita, Krishna says that it's better to uh, follow your own dharma badly than to try to imitate someone else's. And he's emphasizing dharma. Obviously, that's not the end point in the Gita, but uh, it it does seem interesting. And and in the past, it seems like maybe I've tended to interpret dharma in terms of Varnashara dharma. Maybe that's kind of how it's, it's kind of applied in geek.
0: Yeah. Um, but I'm realizing as I get older that uh,
1: there are definitely uh, dominance that I've inherited from my cultural upbringing, from my family, and my, you know, northern European American um, sort of formation, you know, my personality. You're supposed to work hard, and you're supposed to uh-huh. think for yourself, and come to your own decisions about things, and, you know, it's kind of. You know, individuality is very important, and all these kind of things. And I'm realizing that um, they must be deep because I actually have con- convictions about them. I actually believe in those things, even though I understand that there are some limitations. So I'm wondering if there's—is it possible to interpret Dharma in a kind of wider sense outside of, say, conventional Dharma
0: Well, you—you you could interpret it in terms of more, yeah, of a, of a nature, hmm? a conditioned nature. Which is basically what it's speaking about: conditioned nature and t- tendencies, and so forth. Of course, the teaching of the gita ultimately is to forego that, to transcend that, to pursue prema and so forth, and then, and then, and to incorporate uh, your nature within that, so to speak. Which is which is prema or, or prema dharma. Bhakti is capable of doing that. It's able of incorporating different natures, dispositions, uh, cultural sensibilities, and so forth. Um, within it and in working with them in a way that one can transcend them so I think there's some scope for that hmm, in in general and it's good to work you know with your situation than against it and bhakti is very powerful so that's, that's that's a bit of a, a bit of an art, you know. And in, 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 in I mean, it's pretty well thought out in the Gita, and it's speaking out about a very specific situation. You know, you have your dharma. This is your kshatri, you're a Brahman. And these are your duties, and whatever you do, there's going to be some fault. So don't just go jumping around. That'll disturb the social order. Do what you have your propensities for, and be a and don't worry about it that there's some fault in it. And, and and because if you do that, that's sattvic hmm? And that will promote clear thinking, and, and so this is the general idea in the Gita. It doesn't matter whether you're a suja or this or a or brahmi, it Really, is if you apply yourself according to your dharma, that will be sattvic, that will bring clarity, that will bring uh, insight, and, uh, and so forth. So there's some, some scope for that. And as I say, to do that in a different cultures, and we see it has been done by Gaudiya Vaishnavism to some extent, to a limited extent within India, for example, you've got your Manipuri Vaishnavas and you know, they're very different than the Bengali Gaudiya Vaishnavas, but they're Gaudiya Vaishnavas also. They were all you know, Manipur's up there near the China border and they have very different uh, culture in many respects than Bengal, but Narutim went there and converted many people to Gaudiya Vaishnavas there's a whole uh, lineage up there. and You know, they, they offer different foods and do kirtan differently and who knows what. I mean, there's a myriad of a number of of things. It's all within India, so to us it all looks the same, you know. Uh, but it's, it's quite different amongst them. They know that guy's a Bengali, you know, he does it like that, you know. It sticks out to, to them, not that it's bad or anything, but they can see, the, you know, the differences. And yeah, they, They're accustomed to certain foods and and, you know, so... So, you know, take that as an example. Uh, you know, it, it would be thought by some people that you've got to cook rice and dal and pakoras, you know, and uh, and and uh, have an Indian diet only, you know, to do it right or something like that. Because Krishna ate those things in India, you know, when he was there. Of course, how far back do you want to go? Because <laughs> many things were imported to India. I think even tomatoes and chilies and. They're, they're pretty prominent in the Indian you know, cuisine these days, and so forth. So this is a very provincial kind of understanding. A more progressive and universal understanding is that when Krishna accepts the offering, and what's most dear to you, it's edible. <laughs> you know that the, you can offer that with the most devotion. So you know if you have a northern, northwestern, northern Californian, whatever, quiz- vegetarian cuisine. Minus a little garlic, maybe, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> then that would, you know, that, that would be nice to, to offer. Uh, like, something like like today's lunch was a salad and some bread and asparagus soup, you know. It wasn't like, well, it wasn't Indian. Let's put it like that. It was a, So, that's a, it's actually seems simple, but it's pretty prominent what people eat um, Weird little different americans we 're like exposed to all kinds of cultures and there 's an Italian place down the road to eat and there 's an, there 's a chinese place and there 's a sushi bar and there 's a you know mexican restaurant and and then there 's you know well mcdonald 's <laughs> the american way, so uh, <laughs> lower on the ladder. So, you, you know, but but uh, this is part of the industrial society. People are moving around and, you know, and, and greater exposure and so forth. But in times gone by, you're brought up in Bengal. It's what you eat, you know. You go to Manipur or, you know, South India, and it's like, let's say you're from North India, you know. So if you haven't eaten, if you haven't eaten a chapati, go to South India. There are no chapatis. South Indian goes to North India. You Haven't eaten if you haven't eaten rice. They, say, uh, can, they, they the standard term for a meal in South India is rice. I'll have some rice. That means a few things and rice. <laughs> a few other and rice. Hmm? It's like people go. I hate to say say I'll have a I'll have a chicken dinner. You know, so it means chicken. And then there's other things that you know that go with it. So chicken. I'll have the chicken. Well, we have chicken tonight. We have fish, we have other fish, and then other things that go with it. So, rice,
2: mm-hmm.
0: something like that. So, so that if they don't get, you know, they go to the North India, they don't. It's different now. Things are changing, but because it's again, uh, industrial society is moving people around. But it used to be, that'd be a huge, huge change. There's no, there's no, there's no rice with no chapatis. Huh. I haven't eaten, you know. And they're offering, you know, to Bhagawan in, in different places. It's a really a big thing, so it, 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 it's, I want to say it, it's quite radical in those times that that was accommodated, is my point. So I think there's some scope for what you're, what you're speaking about it as well. Does it help? Yeah All right, well, nice to sit with you all. Good questions, and um, can always be better answers, but something better than nothing.